I do want to say, and this is a little bit off topic, but you remember like the past few years where they've allowed um, the players to pick up the walk-up song that they have like once they're selected oh, and they I go do. to the stage? If Devin yes. White doesn't come out to Old Town Road, I'm going to be very upset. I got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached, head is mad at black, got the bushes black and match, riding on a horse, ha. I represent me in this issue. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Ruling on the field, a touchdown is confirmed. Fourth and two now. You've got to get two yards. I don't know. I don't think so. No way. Kentucky wins. Welcome to the Peace of Mind Podcast. This is Kevin Jackson. I'm with AJ Nance. AJ, how you doing, buddy? doing well man great to have you back how you doing not bad i'm recovering from the draft weekend here in nashville did you go down yeah yeah so we actually went down um thursday for the first round it at first i was well i'll say this at first i wasn't certain if we were gonna go and then i kind of had that that feeling of hey this is a once in a lifetime thing it's in your city, like you should go. But hey, I was impressed when I went down. I thought it was incredible, and and this is coming from well, somebody who's not necessarily a huge like NFL fan, right? So, 2019 NFL Draft was here in Nashville, in the hometown, and uh, down on Broadway. I'm sure y'all saw it on ESPN, but um, y'all Broadway is pretty crowded. <laughs> and a general just normal weekend and then when you add things like the draft and the cma fest and all the other concerts that are down there preds in the park when the preds are in the playoffs um it gets it gets real nasty down there and it's almost not even enjoyable because it's so crowded and uh but i thought on what did i go on friday night mm-hmm. it was it was very manageable I, at no point was I'm like, this is too crowded. I got to get out of here. And if you saw the videos, that would sound insane because there was what? I think on Friday night, I think there was 159,000 people down there. Yeah. I think that's what they said. I think they were reporting that over the three-day span, we were well over the half a million um, oh, That's incredible. And like, I don't know about you, but like, you, I, I get the point where you're saying like, um, it it wasn't unmanageable, but like, I think you as well as us, like we were also like in a bar, like somewhere a little bit more to ourselves than all the people down on the street. I don't know if I would have survived as long if I was in like the mid center of the week, probably like on like second or third street right down there in the heart of stuff. Yeah, that's tough. The, um, you know, I was on the rooftop of uh kid rocks bar and um, speaking of that's a that's a hot topic because you know everybody and their mothers got a bar down there like you know, <laughs> Dirk Bentley, you got Luke Bryan, Kid Rock, Jason Aldean, Florida Georgia Line, and a lot of people have been uh, upset about that. But I was walking up the stairs to the rooftop of Kid Rock, and I'm like, y'all, if this 
if all these people didn't build these bars, we could never host this draft because now they got all have third floors. They all have the roofs. Like it was built perfectly for the draft. And then when we left, we went down to the street and we were a little up the street from, uh, from the stage, but I, it was very, they were selling beers in the street. It wasn't as crowded. They had the big screens. I mean, so obviously you had the big screen at the stage, but then every block they had, you know, little screens. I say little smaller screens that you could watch. And, uh, Man, it was it was really nice. They did a really good job. Yeah, I I was impressed with it. For, also, for being like a first time city, so like I'm sure there's so many things that you just don't know until you're immersed in this and and you're carrying out this plan. But for being a first time host, I thought that it went really really well. Um, the turnout was incredible. Like we said, um, I don't know about you all, but like. When so we were at um, Honky Tonk Central, and the reason like why we picked this is because we could get a table inside, but you know they also have those like balconies that extend off of yep. the bar, so you could walk out on the balcony and look literally straight down the street, nobody in your way, and you could see the draft. Um, but there was a point in time where we where we had come out on that balcony, and you could see like the snipers that had occupied. Um, the other rooftops just to make sure that nothing, nothing went crazy, which is wild to me, but I, I do. Hey, even crazier story. So I, I was hanging out with Delaney Walker on Saturday mm-hmm. and uh, he was, do, he was doing an event at the NFL experience down by the uh, Nissan stadium across the river from the draft. And he was talking to me how he went through this training um, because of they got the security at the Titan stadium. Mm-hmm. And they were going through this training of like, hey, so this is where these guys are. This is how they operate. And and he was t- like, he was saying, there are so many snipers up there that you guys have no idea where they are and you can't see them. I'm I'm one thousand percent sure. And he's like, they got a green light. They can go wherever they want to, or they can do whatever they want to. That's awesome. And they if they recognize danger, then they can just they just let go. That is that would have been. I think that that would have been even more wild to see. It's like if something did go wrong, like what the reaction. Yeah, to I mean, be. you think about Vegas. You know, Vegas had the with the iHeart Music Festival and that uh, I don't remember what country artist was playing, but uh, they had the the mass shooting in there. <clears throat> and um, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about you know Vegas hosting the draft. But I mean, just I was uh, not only impressed with how Nashville handled it. The crowds were very relaxed. Oh yeah, uh, I didn't see any fighting. I didn't see any uh, angry people. Everybody was having a good time, and I think, I think the the world recognized that. I saw uh, Ian Rappaport on Twitter was talking about how he just didn't want to leave Nashville, <laughs> and there was many other yeah, many other people, you know, were just blown away by Nashville's ability to throw a party. Yeah, and I, I like Trey Wingo because so I didn't go um, after Thursday. I didn't go the rest of the week, but I just watched the coverage. And, you know, Trey Wingo kept saying how impressed he was with Nashville. And I, I know that you've seen this clip, but just for the people that may have not seen it, they basically started a camera, which I thought was probably the most incredible thing I've, I've seen because um, – the river is not only not, not on First Street, but it's like a little bit 
off the street, like closer to the river. And then you go all the way up the street to Bridgestone, which is on what fifth. And there was like these cords that ran all the way from there, all the way down to the stage. So this uh, overhead camera could fly back and forth. And yeah, the spider cams like the, like yeah, they do in the stadium. Yeah. And so when that, when that thing at the beginning of the draft on Thursday, when that thing floated from the stage all the way up fifth street or all the way up to fifth street. And you saw how many people were actually in the street watching. Like that was mind blowing to me. Yeah. And the fact that it was safe. Right. Right. Like also right beside honky tonk central was a Chick-fil-A food, food truck. Pretty much the highlight of my day. I just walked right down there, got some lunch and then came back to our table. Yeah. Um, Another thing, so like on Thursday, I thought that people would just be like a madhouse rush to get to like the bars and stuff to set up and hold down the fort, um, which is usually how it goes during the SEC tournament. So I walked down uh, from the office like on an early lunch break and was just like, well, let me scope it out. If people are already like rushing around, maybe I could find a place for us to sit. And I went to the third floor of, of Honky Tonk Central, and I kid you not, there was six people up there when I got to the table. And so I just sat there until Justice and another one of my friends could join me so we could hold that table down for everybody else that was coming after work. And, like, it was wild getting there that early, but just to see how many people were out and about at 11 – Versus when I left to to go back to work, then to come back at three, how many people had gotten there. And then like by the time my wife got there at five, like how crazy it had already blown up to. And there were still two hours left before the, the event. Like it was wild, but it was it was honestly like it was probably one of the best experiences that I've had um, just with that many people around. And like you said, nothing going wrong. Yeah, there there are highlights that people take notice, like the Preds in the Park, the Titans uniform unveiling. Um, there's the SEC tournament. Like the the United States gets glimpses, but I think I think everybody was able to see from this weekend how uh, incredible of a city Nashville is. So, well, and I'm I think you're like me. Have you ever have you ever seen like some of the um, New Year's photos that they'll shoot from the rooftops? Um, down down on Broadway. Yeah. Uh I, I more so the the Fourth of July fireworks. So like I see that crowd and I'm like, there's no way you can get me to Broadway. And then to be right. down there in it. It was wild, but like I definitely um I was glad that I went. And I think the NFL did the right thing too, because I think I was reading somewhere this was the first um free access uh, in relation to like where you could actually go, but free access to a draft, which I think allowed for the NFL to now to like showcase how many people truly love the NFL. Cause I mean, I think if you look at the NFL over the past few years, I think they're losing a little bit of, of their pool. I think the NBA is growing as a league and there's been some things go on right or wrong in the NFL that have kind of detracted people or 
I'm doing air quotes, but detracted people from watching uh, NFL. But this allowed them to show, like, hey, we still, like, the audience is still captured by what the NFL does. And it's like, yeah, the NFL is definitely still the big dog. Right, right, right. What do you think about Vegas being next year's host? I, I don't I don't think it'll be nearly as successful because uh, I was talking to some friends about it this weekend and um, like this city has a way of shutting down everything for the event that they're hosting mm-hmm. like the SEC tournament like you know they like that's the that's the prime focus of the entire city is the SEC tournament and same with the NFL draft but like when the draft is in New York. New York doesn't need the draft. Like New York is going to do New York. Right. You know, it's like a blip on the radar. It's just another event. When the draft is in, uh, you know, Chicago, Chicago is doing Chicago things. When the draft is in the bigger cities, those cities, it's not that big of a deal. Um, I think Vegas is going to still be doing Vegas things. Now they're built to hold the draft, but I don't think that the city is going to slow down for for the draft. Now, what will be curious is to see is how – accessible the draft is for the fans when it's in Vegas because Nashville is centrally located. You go six hour radius from Nashville and you can get to a lot of places. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that makes it very, along with its popularity, that makes it very, very accessible and very, uh, a big chance to be successful. Now, Again, there's a lot of people that are going to, they're not going to want to go to Vegas or they've already been to Vegas mm-hmm. or um, Vegas is just not their type of city. Um, but also with, with Vegas is uh, like when I mentioned that everybody was calm here and there wasn't a lot of, there was almost no riffraff. You didn't hear about anything going wrong. But then you think about the other events that Vegas hosts. You had the mass shooting with the, in the country concert mm-hmm. that we were talking about. And then wasn't there some issue with the NBA All-Star Game in Vegas where the NBA came out and said, we'll never go back to Vegas again? I don't know, but I do recall them. I can't remember, but I do recall them like having something where they're like, we just won't be in Vegas or like we won't have a team in Vegas or anything like that. Yeah, that, I mean that'll be interesting, and I know that it, the, I'm sure the NFL's big um, marketing ploy will be that they're going to get a stadium in Vegas, mm-hmm. and so that's going to be big for them. But I, I, I really don't think it's going to be as accessible because a lot of people that came down they did not have to fly. True, I, I also think that the big thing about Nashville is, um, if you're an out of towner, like what's the one place you're going to go to? What do you mean? If you're going to Vegas? No, no, no. No, If you're if you're coming to Nashville and you're an out of towner, like you have people come visit you, I have people come visit me. Where's the one place where they want to go? Everybody wants to go to Broadway, right? And so (laughs) they set the draft up right there, and it's and it's one of those things where like if you're visiting Nashville, you want to go to Broadway. So like they tied that into it, and and it's almost like you're killing two birds with one stone. But there's not. For Nashville, there's not a lot of there's a lot of things to do, but not necessarily like detractors from downtown. Like you could accomplish a ton just in like that downtown radius of Nashville, right? 
versus like right. Vegas. But, like the strip is so long. Like and like that's I remember, true. I remember like we went to the Palm, like the hotel, and it was so far from the Mirage where we were staying. And it's like people will like you can't. There's like you said, there's detractors everywhere, especially with gambling. Like if I get on a hot streak and I'm winning money, I'm not going to the draft. You know what I'm saying? And right. But, and also like the, the, well, you're, you're hitting it on the head where you're going into the casino. The draft is not going to be accessible. Right. Unless it's, I mean, it's going to be on TV, but like on Broadway, the draft was accessible. Those bars are not that big. And like you said, they built rooftops so you can view it. They built all that. They had all the balconies so you can sit on the balcony and, right. and view it. Like it just, the bars added to the draft where the casinos will take away from the draft. Right. And like I said, the Vegas is going to do Vegas things. Have you been, have you been to Vegas before? I, n- I never have. No, <laughs> you should go. I like, I think you would really enjoy Vegas. I just like, I went for four days. I would never, like, I would never go to Vegas more than three days ever again in my life. It was just like, it takes so much out of you. Yeah. Um, what what we, games did you play? I just played, I played slots, uh, penny slots throughout the week. Like, well, I went for four days. I played penny slots the first three slots days. Are the, slots are the worst, man. Right. But so I also, so I went on New Year's or New Year's Eve. I went on New Year's Eve. When I was like 23, 24. So it wasn't like I had a ton of money. So I played penny slots um, the first three days just so I didn't run out of money, but that I could also sit and just get wasted in the casino. And so then my mindset was always I have all my stuff, I had all my stuff paid up to make sure I got back to the house. Mm-hmm. And I took cash out. So on the last day, I was going to take whatever cash I had and like for real gamble with it. If I lost it all, that's fine. Like I'm asked out the last day and I'm going home versus if I lose it all day one, I'm screwed. And so I took about 200 bucks and sat down at a $10 uh, blackjack table and ended up turning that to like 600 bucks. So I ended up leaving with like 600 bucks and probably, probably only because I waited to the last day to play. Cause had I, won that money day one, I probably would have been like, oh, shoot, I'm killing it. I'm going back with the 600, and I would have been broke. But I don't play, like, at that point in time, all I played was blackjack. I may, may play craps um, now, but outside of that, like, it's pretty much going to be mostly blackjack. That's funny. I, I'm a big craps player. I actually taught my uh, a few of my students how to play craps the other day. <laughs> Believe it or not. I don't even want to know how that subject got rolling or how you got there. It was a very, it was a very like a uh, genuine conversation. Well, I was going to say too, like you teach math. So you could have been talking about like, um, like how often numbers get rolled. That's what we were doing. We were doing probability and statistics and we had like the combinations of numbers that could be rolled with two dice and like the probability of rolling a two, the probability of rolling a seven, looking at the percentages and we were testing the law of averages. So like we did this a hundred rolls of the dice and like we looked at the bell curve from what it's supposed to be. And then they were like, oh, wow, that's cool. You know, like how is this information useful? And I was like, well, funny you ask because there's this game called craps when you're older. (laughs) And uh, so 
I was teaching the kids how to play and they were like, wow, that's, this game is actually really simple. I'm like, if you know the math, it really is. And to you shooting dice in the bathroom. Yeah. Right. <laughs> also, you miss a huge, uh, a huge opportunity there to teach them Catan and kill two birds with one stone. You know, so we did, we, we did talk about Catan and some kids knew like the, like three of the kids that uh, three of like the six kids that were there, like already knew what it was. So we were like, eh, whatever. We just glossed over it. <laughs> so like yeah. we, we did. So we were talking about this one girl was like, yeah, sometimes like, you know, like one resource you just never get. And I was like, yeah, you know, like if there's only three bricks and the numbers on those bricks are like three, 11 and 12, then there's not going to be much. But then we went through the probability of, if you put a settlement on a three, 11 and 12 and added all those probabilities together, then it actually is similar to rolling a seven. Yeah, I, I can see that. But you know, this is the life as a sixth grade math teacher. Yeah. Well, you know, vacations on the horizon. You're almost there. Yeah. Summer Kev. So, uh, been a while, but you want to roll into a couple like news and notes. Let's do it. Let's talk a little bit about college football. Um, you know, big one for me and you is we got another transfer quarterback and we actually got a couple probably since the last time we talked and, uh, it relates to the Kentucky Wildcats and the Ohio state Buckeyes. Um, in reaction to, uh, Matthew Baldwin, the very capable presumed backup mm-hmm. quarterback, for the Buckeyes next year, he decided that he was going to transfer. Um, Ohio state was left with Justin Fields as like their one and only scholarship quarterback. And um, Kentucky backup Gunnar Hoke is now announced that he is going to transfer to Ohio state as a grad transfer. So what do you know about Gunnar Hoke? And um, what do you think about it? So um, we kind of talked about this, what, a year or two ago when Danny Clark did the opposite, right? Well, kind of. He was committed to Ohio State. Well, he was committed. He never went to he, Ohio State. Right. Gotcha. So um, now it's kind of flip side. But I, I always thought that he was our best option as number two. Um, and that's no, there's no slide against Gunner. I just think what Kentucky offers and how our offense is structured um, – Terry is probably gonna be like our best our best option at quarterback um moving forward. So you have you got Amani Gilmore who is a fresh an incoming freshman uh dual threat athlete that was a quarterback. He was a big pick out of Louisiana. So you got him, you got uh Danny Clark, you got Gunnar Hope, and you got Terry. Like somebody has to move there. Like you're not going to carry all four and everybody be happy about it. Um, so, and then I also know that like Columbus is close to home for him or is it home for him? It is home. He's from uh, Dublin, Ohio. He went to Dublin Kaufman high school where I'm from. Gotcha. And so um, he, so I think well, it was game one last year. Like we were struggling to throw the ball and, they put him in, and he—I mean—he threw a beautiful ball for a touchdown um, in the first half that really got us rolling. 
So like the the talent's there. It's just getting an opportunity to showcase that. Um, how 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 much of an if you had to put a scale of one to ten, uh, how athletic do you think um, Terry is? How athletic? Yeah, like do I think Terry is not like not like 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 yeah from. One being so Peyton one is Manning, Peyton Manning. And ten, and, <laughs> yeah, and ten is and ten is Michael Vick. Got Terry's probably like a he's probably like an eight on that scale. So, would you would you classify him as like a quarterback or like an athlete taking snaps? Like he definitely like, falls into more like, of like on the spectrum, athletic on the thrower, spectrum. right? On the yes. spectrum, he's he's he's. Okay. What what separates him at that position is his athletic ability. It's not it's right. not his throwing ability. Right. He's not Dwayne Haskins, like just slinging it. No. Um, right. So I honestly, it just seems like a conflict of styles. I don't know. Yeah. What, you know what I mean? Like it just, um, you if you have, you know what they say is like if you have two quarterbacks, then you have no quarterbacks. Yeah, correct. <laughs> so like, if you're gonna try to play one way, and then he comes in and you're gonna play another way, like you're just in a tough spot. And it'll be interesting to see what Ohio State does because Ryan Day is not so much of a like running quarterback guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I mean, he he's. Um, I mean, I say that, but Urban was more of like a, you know, how are we gonna run the ball, manipulate the numbers, and spread you out and use the quarterback as a runner. Ryan Day did that at, uh, with Chip Kelly, but you saw that Ryan Day was able to adapt to Dwayne Haskins in the sense that mm-hmm. he was perfectly capable of saying, you know what, we don't have a running quarterback, but we can switch our offense to, to a guy that can just sling it around. Whereas before he got there, when we really struggled with, we really struggled when it was just Cardale. You know what I mean? So like when mm-hmm. when you had JT Barrett in there, like that was Urban Meyer's bread and butter, like a guy that can tote the rock twenty times. But then when you put Cardale in there, like Cardale Jones is not running the ball on a quarterback design runs, and so Urban really struggled with that. And so it'll be interesting to see with Justin Fields is are they going to evolve their offense back to, you know, the running quarterback, or are they going to keep it to what Dwayne had? And it was just, you know, pocket passing, throwing the ball. So you asked about um, Hope last season. It says here that he appeared in four games. He threw for 167 yards, uh, two touchdowns, and one interception. And he was 13 to 26 passing. So in four, ga- four games? Right. Mm-hmm. Not awful. Um, I think yeah. one of the last times he went in was the Missouri game where we were just – completely struggling to get anything going um he didn't do well there either i think that's just a testament to probably missouri's defense that they were playing that game yeah and in the game itself the right it's it's like i think he went in like late second quarter or mid third quarter like it's like if you're not starting and you're coming into a game that's already got a pace and a flow it's hard to just immerse yourself into that um i think that He'll be cap- he'll be more than capable of being Justin Fields' backup. I don't anticipate him pushing Justin for that job. Oh, I don't think it's so. One, at all. It's one of those things of, hey, if Justin's banged up or you know we're up thirty, 
whatever it may be, like he he'll be capable of um, of managing the offense and getting you guys to where you need to be. Uh, and I'm seeing now that he'll have two years left of eligibility, so um, definitely something that's going to be there too. Yeah. So fun fact for you: in my first year as a head coach, uh, uh, was in Dublin, Ohio, mm-hmm. at Dublin Jerome High School in 2012. And our first game was against our rival, Dublin Kaufman. And um, it was a freshman football game on a Saturday morning. And Gunnar Hoke was a quarterback for Kaufman that day. Yeah. How do you perform? Um, I, to be honest with you, I can't remember. Like, he didn't stand out. Um, he was one of their better players. But we won 24 to 13, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. We were – I mean – I know it's just freshman football, but we were better. We went, we went ten and zero. Our team was just better than his team, ah. but he turned out to be a good player. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so you brought up you brought up that him transferring. So I have to ask because it's the question floating around. Like, how do you feel about the NCAA denying some of these transfer requests, um, such as like I believe the kid's name. It was. Uh, the kid transferred to Luke, Virginia Tech. So the Illinois tight end, Luke Ford, um, he was trying to transfer, or he's trying to transfer from Georgia um, because his grandfather is extremely ill. He's 88 years old. He wants to be closer to his family. Um, and then the kid from Coastal Carolina was trying to transfer to Virginia Tech. I think his name was uh, Brock uh, Hoffman, yeah. And so he's trying to transfer to Virginia Tech because it's closer to his mother who had, like, brain surgery she had a tumor and like she's she's like she's doing better i guess but right like oh man i just it's not a good look i'm really curious about if the ncaa will retract um if there's like an appeal process i think they're hiring the same lawyer attorney yeah yeah they're hiring because they they thought it was such an open and shut case that they that they didn't even hire a lawyer and 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 rightfully so. It it appears on on surface. Now, I'll say I don't know all of the the facts, but if you if you look at and this is you know an unbiased opinion, but if you look at Justin Fields, he may have had a hardship. I mean, we talked about it on the on the pod a few episodes ago. How much hardship it really was, nah, debatable. I don't really know what Tate Martell's hardship was, and. And for both of them to be immediately granted uh, eligibility, but for two people who appear to have pretty clear-cut reasons for needing a transfer, it seems that this would have been an easy win for the NCAA to sign off on and keep it moving. Now they've immersed themselves in this huge debate on why some kids get uh, preferential treatment, why they're immediately eligible and why some others aren't. And I just feel like this would have been such an easy win for them to just do the right thing. Yeah. It really makes the NCAA look out, look to be a us versus you organization when, which is tough when they try to tout themselves as, you know, like March madness, you got those commercials. They're like, if you put in the work, if you put in the effort, we'll find a place for you. Right. Like like you're not on our team. Yeah. It also like takes away that. It also takes away that, um, like that common 
pattern we all say is like they're just money hungry because like no disrespect to Luke Ford or um, Brock Hoffman, but I've never heard about these guys before no. these cases. I've heard about Tate Martell. I've heard about Justin Fields. These are like very prominent like athletes going to like big schools and look to make a huge impact on not only like the school they're attending, but like that conference, the NCAA, like the amount of money that can be made from them too versus these two guys. And it, it just doesn't look it, it it has a funny look to it if you're if you're saying like, oh, we you know, we always want to do the right thing and, and help out, but like the guys who could really bring a lot of light and attention to the NCAA, oh, they're immediately eligible, but some other guys aren't. Yeah. I don't know. It's like they're, it's like they know their uh, system is flawed, and then when the other guys get the lawyer, they're like can c- get called out on their bullshit, and it's like, oh yeah, well, you know, you're right. Our system is flawed, blah blah blah. But like when you get kids that can't represent themselves with lawyers, it's like, you know, they try to act all high and mighty. Well, and then it goes back to the point of like, if you know, I don't know. If Bob, if Mark Stoops is coaching at UK and something happens to his family back in Youngstown and he wants to up and move and go coach Youngstown, he could do that. And there's nothing there's nothing stopping him from doing that. There's you know, we talk about it all the time, but it's always set up to where we're handcuffing the, the student athlete versus everybody else um in in this process. Yeah, that's 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 a tough that's a tough debate. You know, that we could spend a whole episode debating that uh, the transfer rules and and making it equitable and all that. But um, you know, moving on, I'm, I'm noticed that um, our man Nick Saban had you know the hip surgery. <laughs> yeah, and he's what sixty seven years old now, sixty eight, mm-hmm. almost there. Could this possibly be the beginning of the end? Because he was talking like, oh, I've got, I want to coach for six more years, seven more years at least. I got many more years in me. And he's, you know, the quotes about him throwing away the cane and all that stuff. <laughs> he, but um, I wonder if this will be the the beginning of the end of Nick Saban. Uh, I, he's a tough. Because he looks unstoppable. Right. I mean, I I, I think it's going to take a lot more than a hip to, to bring him down. Um, he's one of those guys I well, just feel like will leave on his own time. Well, like if the hip doesn't, you know, if the hip the hip doesn't heal correctly, or it comes back, or you know, it causes other issues, or his, you know, it could just. I'm saying his general health could that signal the beginning of the end for Nick Saban? He doesn't look 67. Yeah, and I've, 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 I would say that you know, in conjunction with that that comment like he he looks relatively healthy um hips are you know they i've i've seen like hips not take and stuff like that or you just have to periodically keep going back in there and and tuning and fine tuning and stuff so i could see that um i'd hope not you know like as great as this sport is i'd love for him to just be able to go out on his own terms yeah, it's very you know it's very interesting in that sense for Nick Saban's sake. But you know this could be another debatable question. We could maybe like post try to get a conversation going on Twitter of 
like, is Nick Saban good for college football or is he bad for college football? I think, and I really think, I think there's, I, I, you, I think you could come up with ample points for both sides. I, I think that I've, I think that the argument has um, slimmed down some over the course of the last couple of years because you have teams like Clemson, Clemson. and Georgia that are more we, than capable. You could take of it even. You could take it a step further and say, like, is Clemson and in Alabama good for is, is is part is what so if they play again it'll be part five right mm-hmm. in the playoffs so like is that good for college football right and yeah. who knows I mean um you'd have to have the foresight to like really dive deep into looking at you know what the what the effects could be on the sport 10 years from now right um very interesting like the lack of recognition of the Pac-12 and the draft and, you know, in the college football uh, playoffs, um, you know, USC is not very good. Washington kind of gets left out. It just seems like there's a bunch of good teams, but really no elite teams. Um, It's pretty interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And (laughs) to go back to your saving point, like it might not be the end of him, but you better believe if I'm the other 13 coaches in the SEC or any other big-time program, you better believe I'm telling recruits about it. Like, hey, listen, you know, I don't know if he's going to be around two more years with that hip. Like, do you really want to send your son to play for a school that's losing their coach? Oh, I'm beating it into the ground until – Oh, yeah. uh, And trying to drum up all things I can to make you think twice about going to Alabama. I know I've um, there was a kid, the five star kid Jackson Carmen from Dayton, and uh, or Cincinnati, and he was um, he was saying how Clemson kept bringing up that like you know Urban's not going to be there very long, Urban's not going to be there very long. You don't want to go there, blah 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 blah. And um, very interesting how negative recruiting can work, and if we feel like that's ethical. Um, I've also heard it the other way. I think I can't remember what kid it is, but he came from down south up to Ohio State, and he's like, he goes, um, he, he ended up picking Ohio State. But I remember him saying that Ohio State was the only school that never brought up Alabama because mm-hmm. he was getting recruited by mostly SEC schools. Yeah, it's definitely like I I always try to consider myself as like if I was. Um, a recruiter like how would I approach these kids and even in my current job now it's like you know I have to pitch or I have to like talk about like why we differ from our competition and stuff but like there is that fine line between you know being respectable or being respectful of your your competitors and what they bring to the table and mentioning that and then just being negative towards them and bringing that up and Every once in a while, you'll see like you'll, like you mentioned, like you'll bring up Alabama to to say like, well, this is what Alabama's doing, and this is how we're doing it different. And if you're a big recruit, like you've probably heard that three, four, five, seven times at every recruiting pitch you hear. But like then you get that one that stands out. That's like, hey, it's not about Alabama; it's about us. Like this is who we are. If you want to be a part of this, this is what you're gonna see. And sometimes that resonates with kids. I I tend to believe that you 
you go out there and you tell kids like who you are, what you're doing, what they can expect from your program. And that's what, that's all you can do. Because when you get into the battle of this is how we're better than such and such, it leaves space for gray area. If you just mention all the things that you do, all the things that you've done for kids, like those are, those are facts. Those are things that can't be debated. And like you're giving kids an honest opinion of your program. Yeah. And I guess it always depends on the kid. So, but nonetheless, uh, let's take a quick short break. Uh, we'll hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back. We're going to talk a little bit more about the draft. So stay tuned. And we're back with the peace of mind podcast here, ready to dive into a little bit of draft talk. Uh, Kevin and I mentioned earlier, we both went, but now we're just going to give you a little bit of a breakdown of what we thought of the draft and the actual picks that were made. Um, Kevin, you're a 49ers fan. Like you guys were number two on the, on the board this year. How do you feel like about the Bosa pick, but overall, like in everybody else that you took, how do you feel? Uh, really excited about the Bosa pick, obviously, cause he's an Ohio state guy. <laughs> Um, I think he's pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious what his lack of length will do. I know he's pretty good with his hands, but he's not as long as his brother. And playing that mm-hmm. position, the longer you are, the better. I think he's I – I have no idea what his arms um, – how long his, his wingspan is. But I, f- I feel like he um, – um, just looking at him, he's mm-hmm. always got his arms extended – playing with his hands. So I don't know if that'll be truly a big issue for him. I know he's got to obviously stay healthy. I think he tore his ACL in high school and then he had the ab issue last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really excited uh, about the, for the 49ers. Um, what about you? What about the Kentucky guys? So I was, I was pretty pumped about our guys. You know, um, people would say that Josh slipped a little bit, which I think he did. I was – I thought he was a lock for top five, but I honestly think that going to Jacksonville probably bodes better for him than some of the teams that were picking one through six. But um, there's a lot of, I mean, it's, it was saturated with his position though. Oh so, yeah. Like, it's not, you know, that's just a tough year to be, to, to have to go into the draft. Right. And so, but like, I'm, I'm not too, I'm not too worried about it. Like I honestly do think that the Jacksonville pick works for him. Um, Lonnie Johnson coming off the board, going to the Texans was huge. Uh, Mike Edwards, who didn't get to do a lot of stuff at the combine because of, of, of a health related issue, um, but kills his pro day. And he goes third round to Tampa Bay, which I thought was a great pick. And then Benny Snell, um, you know, who I, you and I both have our own, our own thoughts and evaluations of Benny. But one of the wild things was, like, we've all seen his production in college football, and he still was rated, like, the 17th or 18th best back in the draft. And for not all, for him to not only come off the board in the fourth round, which I thought was a really, really good landing spot for him, but to go to a team that I think their style really fits what he does well and who he is, Oh my gosh, um, does it ever going to the Pittsburgh Steelers? Like I just I feel like that was like I don't know, like outside of maybe going to like Oakland, I don't know if there was a, a better place for him yeah. to fit. Yeah, kudos to Pittsburgh because he doesn't have to tote the rock every time either. 
I mean, right. he can, but with, with having James Conner, like they're going to be solid. Oh, absolutely. And and I think like like you mentioned, like you've coached against him in high school. I watched him a lot in com uh, in college, but like his personality and who he is and how he runs is going to be huge for like them. And it's just like a a short yardage kind of back, but also can he can he can break lengthier runs. Like he's not going to outrun you by any stretch of imagination, but like he can he can grind you out a series or two while you're giving Connor rest. He can get that third and three and he's got decent hands, which I think is huge for him. Um, I love, I love the the most important thing is he plays with attitude too. So yeah, I thought he's confident and that makes up for a lot. Oh God. Yeah. I loved, um, I love Mike Tomlin's um, comments on the pig because he was just like, Hey, we didn't overthink it. We didn't dive too much into the combine numbers. Like, we saw what he put on tape, and we liked how he played, and that's why we picked him. It's just like, yeah, it's it's really that simple. <laughs> like, just you like who you like, and you take him. Um, yeah. You brought uh, we we touched on Nick Bosa, but I did want to also comment on the the other two other two picks that I thought were really key for you all: Debo Samuel's and Jalen Hurd. Um, both have like wild pass that got him to the league but like I've watched a lot of both of them Jalen Hurd being that he played at Tennessee for two years but switched to wide receiver at Baylor and really re reinvented himself but I think he's going to be a huge piece because he still has the ability to play some running back so you can use him in a lot of versatile ways um, a lot like New England does with their backs but also Debo Samuel like he is a dog in the slot now, the thing that's killed him is injuries, but like if he's healthy, he is unbelievable in the slot. And I think could be like a huge target for Garoppolo. Yeah, and like he's he's not very tall, but he is thick. Yeah, like I like, mean, he gives us problems every year. And like we just like I think two years ago he got hurt and didn't finish the game. And so we pulled that one out. But like if he's healthy, he's he's a problem. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, who do you think overall was a big winner of the draft? Could be college team, could be a specific player, could be a pro team. Who do you think was a big winner of the draft? Um, I mean, it, it doesn't need to be just one. Well, I mean, you mentioned Josh Allen going to Jacksonville, like huge yeah. for him. Uh, like, you know, Benny going to Pittsburgh, that's a big win for him because he's going to match you know, the, the style of play that he, that he plays with. So, yeah. so a, a couple, uh, for college references, old dominion, because they had, never, you? they had never had a draft pick and they ended up with two draft picks this How year. About that? So I thought that was really incredible. Um, I saw UCLA, UCLA's only pick this year was Mr. Irrelevant. Hey, listen, the last pick. You, as long as you, you get it on the there. board, man, that's all that matters. That's right. Um, Count it. So I like the two from Old uh, Old Dominion. There was another kid that was like, I'm going to forget his name, but I literally watched him get picked, and he was like from Switzerland. And like when he was six years old, they were like, what do you want to do? He's like, oh, I want to play pro football. And like he went through all these things to like finally get um, over here in college and play uh, football in 
the NCAA and he got drafted. I thought that was a great story. And then I really like what, from like a draft analysis, I really like what um, the Bills did as well as Jacksonville. I was just going to say the Bills. Like, if you if you had Oliver fall to nine, like, that stamps, like, your draft. Like, holy sh! Like, there's no reason we should be getting that caliber of a talent at nine. No, and then they got Cody, Cody Ford, the tackle from Oklahoma. I mean, that dude's a monster as well. So you were able to – I mean, this is where the game is won, offense and defensive line. And they got two high-end players. Yeah, and I mean, like, if you if you go back to Justice and I talking about the draft last week, like, we both had Cody Ford and Ed Oliver going in the first round. Same with uh, Jacksonville. We had Josh Allen and Jawan Taylor going first round. So you're telling me with your first two picks, you got first-round talent players, but you didn't have to yeah. trade up or do anything to get that? Like, that's a huge win. Yep. I really like Oakland um, with the Josh Jacobs pick. There's a lot of debate with the um, with the Cleveland Farrell pick. Yeah. Uh, him going too high. I, I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like it's picking hairs. You know what I mean? With those three guys. Yeah. I, with, yes, I, I do agree. It is picking hairs. You know hairs. what I mean? Like, if it's picking hairs and if like who you don't you weren't in the interviews you know what i mean maybe maybe he was in there and like i want to play i want to play for oakland i love oakland blah 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 blah, mm-hmm. blah they hit it off you don't know and you know you know what i mean right, right and so like if that was their guy they got him right you know what i mean <laughs> and so that goes back to you know where where me and justice were saying like if he's your guy he fits your style and your your scheme it doesn't matter if he's a late first round pick or whatever. Like you gotta, you gotta take him when he when he's there for you. Uh, do I think they could have got him later or traded back and got some more for him? Yeah, probably. But you're playing with fire if you try to do that. Um, if he's there at four and that's the guy that was on your board, that's that's what you take. Yeah, um, I think uh, you know as an Ohio State fan with uh, Devin Bush at. Uh, what did he get picked? Tenth with 10? the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he's pretty good. Like, um, he struggled with Ohio State, but so did the entire defense. Um, he ended up getting hurt that game trying to run somebody down. But like, mm-hmm. he, I, I don't like him personally. I really don't like you know like the antics where he's going into the the Michigan State Spartan logo at midfield and he's just like you know like tearing up the turf. Yeah. yeah, like I like to me like stop being a clown. Like, right. I get it. Y'all are rivals, but, um, but I think he's pretty darn good. I think he'll fit. I think he'll fit in real nice. Um, also, I mean, we're talking, uh, Michigan, like the true definition of an enigma is Rashawn Gary. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know you're a Packers fan, uh, or at least we're rooting for the Packers, but I, I, I just, it's, he's hard to figure out. Yeah, he's hard uh, to figure out. He, he had tw- he had twenty tackles and three and a half uh, sacks last year. I, I, and he I, was he's the former number one player in the country. Yeah, I was about to say. I just I just recall like um, later in the draft because the was it the Patriots that took Chase Winovich. Yeah, yeah, and so all the commentators were like, you know, Rashawn Gary was the higher pick, but like he. Chase Winovich outperformed him statistically on the field. Um, 
all last year. And so they were just, you know, gloating about how New England got a steal because for the Packers to take Gary at 12 was more of a, a stretch versus getting a, a player with equal or higher value in the third round with Chase Winovich. Yeah. Um, I mean, just to put it in perspective, you've got Rashawn Gary, his senior year, played in uh, nine games. He got injured, mm-hmm. but he had he had uh, 38 tackles in nine games, six and a half tackles for loss, and three and a half sacks. So those games. two num- nine games, six and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. Nick Bosa in two and a half games had only 14 tackles, but had six tackles for loss and four sacks and two fumbles, one oh, fumble shit. recovery <laughs> and a touch and a touchdown. Yeah. So in two and a half games, he, he equaled Rashawn Gary's senior year. Yeah. But like, but that's the story on him. Freak athlete, but uh, you know, just doesn't produce anything. Uh, who else you got for win- winners? Um, I mean, I don't really feel like this is much of a of a like shocker, but the Patriots, like, they just draft really, really well, obviously, all the time. But like, I called it on the on the show last week, and like they. <laughs> Nikhil Harry Nikhil was going to fall to him at 32, yeah. and I'll be damned. Like, we were like, well, let's beat the traffic. Let's get out of here. And we hadn't ate in a while, so we went down to the to the street vendors, tried to get some food. Like, as we were leaving, they were like, the 32nd pick is in. They said Nikhil Harry, and I was like, huh, well, wait a minute. Like, that's exactly who I said they were going to take. And it's like, they just they, – they do so well. Like, you get Nikhil Harry at 32 – you get Jawan Johnson, who who Williams. was Williams. Uh, Williams, excuse me, not Johnson. I'm thinking Joe Johnson. I'm tripping. But Williams, like you get him in the second round. Uh, he was a guy who teetered in between like a first or second round pick. So you you get him. You get again Chase Winovich, who outperformed Gary, but you get him in the third round, and then you get Damian Harris, who took the who dude. Like oh. that, he fits their system so well. Yeah. Like he really does. As soon as I think, I think I don't like Winovich either. I mean, like from a pro standpoint, but like if there was a place he was going to go succeed, it would be New England, right? And then, like for Damian Harris, it's like you you're going to get to the point where you're going to have to pay. Um, like you got Sony Michelle on a rookie contract, but you're going to have to pay White, or you're going to have to pay like one of your other third down backs, and it's like. Well, instead of paying him, we're just going to funnel in this rookie contract of a guy more than capable of stepping in and doing what we need, and we got him for the cheap because we got him in the fourth round. And then they got Jared Stidham later in the draft as like a a confident backup for whenever the inevitable happens. Yeah, I don't, I don't see, I don't, I don't think Jared Stidham will ever play in an NFL game. That's my prediction. In you don't a, think so? A, in a preseason game, sure, but I don't think he'll ever play in a regular season game. I'll put a dollar on it. A dollar on it? I'll take that bet. We'll put a dollar towards the podcast. Fair enough. Yeah. You, they're going to be blowing somebody out like 45 to 10, and he's going to get some snaps, and 
He's Boy, still not going to play. That bank account's going to explode. I appreciate he it. Is still <laughs> I thought, have- how, how lucky is um, uh, Washington Redskins getting Dwayne Haskins? Yeah. Like, and again, fell right into their lap because they Dude, got some. Do you see how pissed he was? Oh, uh, when they took. Um, when they took when they took Jones. Daniel Jones, yeah. Oh my! I mean, he. My wife is sitting there going, "What's his problem? He's not even smiling or anything." I'm like, "Cause he's still pissed that the that the Giants passed on him, dude. Is garbage, Daniel Jones." We'll touch on him during the losers, but for I do I do think Washington does get to 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 tout themselves as a winner. Um, I don't know how their production will be in the NFL, but they're getting a lot of good players like Dwayne Haskins, Montez Sweat. Uh, they got your boy from Ohio State, uh, McLaurin. McLaurin. Yep, he said got- the um, um, Gruden said that he's their number one special teams guy. Yeah. like He's a, he's a good receiver, but he'll play a lot on special teams. Right. And and I think he, he played a lot on special teams in college too, right? He played on them all. Yeah. Like as a, even as a senior. And so him, you get Bryce Love, who again fits that mold of uh, a dual threat kind of guy out of the backfield who can catch he's and kind, run. He's kinda of like a he's kinda of like a, a an Alfred Morris almost. Who? Uh Bryce? Bryce Love, yeah. He's a little bit smaller than Alfred, but he can do everything. Like I, I feel like, yeah. But like, I mean, that's not a bad uh, the way that I, I look at them as being a winner is your direct in-conference rival shit the bed, and you didn't. So that automatically yeah. makes you a winner. Now, I will say the only saving grace, so I guess we'll just transfer right here to the losers, is um, is uh, we're, assume, uh, we're calling the New York Giants the losers. Obviously, Daniel Jones, like you a big winner. Oh, good winner yeah. for him because he, he pulled the wool over everybody's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. So here's here's my thought process is like Drew Brees was really good in college. Um Jake Cutler was was pretty good in college, but you get these guys like 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 Drew Brees, Jake Cutler, Eli Manning playing at Ole Miss. You get these guys that that aren't playing with elite talent. And so they look mediocre in college. And then they turn out to be pretty darn good in the NFL because, you know, the talent level is now even. Mm-hmm. And they're used to fighting and scrapping for everything. Whereas, like, you get these guys like Matt Leiner, who, you know, he didn't get touched for four years. You know what I mean? And then you get to the NFL, and all of a sudden, your receivers aren't better than everybody else. Your linemen aren't better than the D linemen. You know, your running backs aren't better than the linebackers. Like, so you got to battle that. And so it'll be interesting to see. I think that's, I think that's the only saving grace for Daniel Jones is, was if his, team really wasn't that good right i'm but we'll see at six though like like i right i i know i agree i agree like but you could like that in that same breath you could also say like Dwayne haskins threw for 50 touchdowns i know what i'm getting from him like right well i think the only thing that people would say is he only played one season so I think that was a big turnoff. I mean, shame on everybody. I mean, honestly, like, I know that's biased, but, like, it was amazing how 
he just kept getting downplayed throughout the entire draft. So I wonder if that had any effect on it. I think it's the Cutcliffe, you know, the connection. I th- who knows if that'll football is one you know, of the one like professional football is like one of the one sports where it's like, oh well, he knows so and so, so like we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> like that's true. I mean, but that's that's all of football. That's all of football. Oh no, I get it. But like, I'm just saying, like it's. If I'm if I'm in the front office or on that team, like my like my job's on the line, you know, I I want the best possible person at six or at any pick. Like if I'm Sterling Shepard, I'm like, yo, give me the person that's gonna get me the ball at the spot where it's supposed to be, and I can make the most out of it because, right. like, I I I want to be successful, a, but I want to like make my money on my contract. Like if I'm Saquon Barkley, like. Give me the guy who's going to be able to throw the ball around the field so I can have lighter boxes that I can run into. Like, right. And I just, I, I feel for a lot of the people that were on, on online or on Twitter or whatever, they all kind of had the same reaction we did of like, that's an extreme reach that's might come back and bite them in the ass. Right. Who else you got as losers of the draft? Um. So, and I'm my bad. I'm just quick point. I do think the Giants back bounce back because I think Dexter Lawrence was a good pick and DeAndre Baker. So they did kind of work their way back into uh, getting some good selections in the first round. Um, right. But outside of the Giants, I thought uh, Tennessee, the Volunteers. You mean the Titans? No. Or Tennessee Volunteers? The Volunteers. Old Dominion had two draft picks. Tennessee had zero. Zero (laughs) draft picks. They also had nobody nobody invited to the draft or the combine. Like, zero. I don't, like, you can't have... You did lose to a five and seven Tennessee team. You can't be a powerhouse, a traditional powerhouse, or what, and have zero draft picks. Like it just no, I, I no, but they're not. You just say they're a traditional powerhouse. I call them a traditional because, like, their tradition. Okay, um, they have tradition, but they're not a powerhouse. But see, that's but that's why I put them in because if. If you told a non-just football savvy person you have Tennessee Volunteers and you have um, Texas Tech, they'll probably take Tennessee. Or if you have like, I'm just thinking like people associate them with football and being like a top tier name in football, even though they aren't quite that anymore. To the non yeah. like heavy watcher. Yeah, they're like the Rashawn Gary of the of college football. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they have all the measurables but no production. Yeah, I can I can see that. I mean that that is a spot on analogy. You just um, can't have zero. Like you didn't have anybody, you didn't have a kicker, a punter, nobody. Like you have to have something. And they get players. They yeah. get players. Like what? So what the fuck? Uh, let's see. That was that would have been the at least the 2015 draft class or recruiting class. 
uh, what? So like that would coming up on their four oh, years. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so tell me, uh, I'm about to look. What do you think they they finished ranking wise in 2015 in recruiting? Oh, I bet they're. I bet they're. I would say my confidence level of top 15 would be 100. percent Top 10 would be. I'm probably 88 percent sure they they finished in the top 10. Yeah. Oh. Uh, you're 88% correct because in 2015, they had the number four class in the nation. And in 2014, oh, yeah. they had the number seven class in the nation. Like, you can't put two back to back top 10 classes and have no picks out of it. Like, zero. Kentucky had, Kentucky had three kids drafted in the first three rounds that weren't even top 100 prospects coming out. And both, and all of them got. All of them got picked. Hey, we've so had multiple people leave Tennessee and get drafted out of those classes for what it's worth. So that doesn't go to you. Like <laughs> Jalen Hurd bounced from Tennessee to go be a wide receiver and be better at Baylor. Like you don't get that credit. <laughs> that's just like that's wild to me that they did like that they didn't have one. And I'm like it's like I I get it. Like it is funny because it's Tennessee. But, like, in an honest opinion, like, I don't – like, you can't have zero. Like, and that's just wild to me. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to, you know, the one thing that's always forgotten here because um, when we're talking about the Giants and the draft this year, um, one of the quotes of the draft was by uh, the Cleveland Browns GM because mm-hmm. they, did, they didn't have the first-round pick. And they said, "Oh, but it's okay. We got Odell Beckham for for seventeen for the seventeenth yeah. pick." And it's like, <laughs> "Well, okay. Well, you put it that way. I mean, that just yeah. adds to the Giants' misery. I mean, they got a. I mean, I would I would say that the that Odell's probably a future Hall of Famer. Yeah, I, I would say he's well on his way. I, I would say he's more likely to become one than more likely to not become one. But the Browns got him at seventeenth pick." Take it. That's a win. <laughs> That's like Oakland did the same, or Chicago did the same thing. They were like, oh, we don't have a first-round pick, so we'll just watch Khalil Mack highlights. It's like, yeah, probably yeah. right. Like, good sounds you. good. <laughs> um, I oh. thought, like, obviously Kyler Murray, I mean, that's a big winner of the draft. Yeah. Um, I think the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, like, I mean, they're, all eyes are going to be on them. You know what I mean? So, oh, I mean, yeah. that's that, that's good for them. Um, also want to shout out, um, Alabama had three players drafted in the first round. Clemson mm-hmm. had three players drafted in the first round, which is, you know, right normal. yeah, I would expect that. Mm-hmm. And then you had, uh, Mississippi, Mississippi state had three yeah. players drafted. Um, I mean, like kudos to them and Dan Mullen. I'd just like to gloat for a second that they had three defensive players drafted in the first round and Benny rushed for 165 yards and four of the 10 rushing touchdowns they gave up all year. So, uh, that's, that's yeah, pretty interesting. Just, just drop that little nugget there. Um, <laughs> you know, Michigan did have two, two players in the top um, 15. Ohio State had two players drafted in the first round, which moves them to uh, tied for first place all time of colleges with first round draft picks with 81 first round picks 
throughout their history, they're tied with USC. Hey, what was the what was the statistic you told me about the Ohio State DBs? Um, every cornerback, every starting quarterback, cornerback since 2013 has been drafted. That's incredible. Like, and I think I think most of them are in the first round. Um, but uh, we're referencing Kendall Sheffield was drafted, uh, I believe, 111th overall by the Atlanta Falcons mm-hmm. in the fourth round. But uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I saw that on Twitter where a, a, um, somebody posted that uh, stat, and a dad was like, "Yeah, that's where I'm sending my kid." Yeah, absolutely. Like, don't let me breed a six one one ninety five DB. Like, absolutely. You kidding? Yeah, every, every single one. Um, the only one I, sh- I should say, the only one that hasn't been drafted is Damon Arnett because he's still in school. Ah. He'll be, he'll be, he's back next year. Um, I also, so um, furthermore, if you're the defensive line coach, I don't know who he is, but the defensive line coach for Clemson. At Clemson? You're a big winner and you're a big loser because you produced them and now they're all gone. <laughs> so, <laughs> that big. Shoot. Yeah. Um, and also the tight ends coach at, at Iowa because <laughs> you produced two in the first round. And I think that's even more impressive than the three defense alignment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially because, because you got a yeah, you got a lot. I mean, go tight ends don't normally. There's normally not like a bunch of tight ends, right? And usually you have like two tight ends that play tops, and both right. of them got drafted, right? Where mm-hmm. the the ratio is about three to four, three out of four. Do there. Do you think they get a bonus or something when they have like when they recruit and like develop a top talent? I don't know. I, I that seems like a pretty d- solid bonus. I mean, like, hey, I don't know if that's against any rules or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, like, yeah, I don't know. Did you uh, did you have any other losers? Um. Honestly, I that I was doing the research, and I thought, I thought that, um, I thought that the Cleveland Browns could be considered a loser of the draft. But then when you think about the Odell trade and I thought the greedy Williams pick was solid. I do. I like that pick. Um, and then I mean, they've got uh, Denzel Ward on one side and he was really solid last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully greedy Williams can come in and be the other guy. Um, I thought, I thought Kentucky was a good winner. Um, you know they got four players. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But um, oh, I one thing I do want to go back. We mentioned Dan Mullen and Mississippi State, mm-hmm. but you've got Lincoln Riley has produced the last two Heisman Trophy winners and first picks of the draft. A lot of pressure on Jalen Hurts, man. Is that not incredible? <laughs> like you, I mean, you probably never see that again, no, ever, no. and. Deservedly so, though. Like, I don't think that it was like a freak accident either of those happened. Now, no, I mean, no, I mean, it. It just is so lucky that they they end up at the same school because yeah. both of them transferred in. But um, yeah, I mean, kudos to Lincoln Riley. Um, you know, the Chiefs kind of had a bad week. I don't know. If, mm-hmm. I mean, if oh, you they really were my dive, biggest loser. If you yeah, if you go into if you go into the draft and like look down like who they got, um, 
I mean, they noticed, so they got, they didn't have a first round pick, um, but then they they came out and got uh, Nicole Hardman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from Georgia. And I wonder if that's because of the uh, the leak of oh, Tyreek Hill. Um, and they got rid of Kareem Hunt. So, I mean, that's uh, they're in a tough spot. Uh, but, yeah. you know, luckily, luckily, I think receivers are so much easier to find because there's just so many of them. And uh, now, granted, those two are pretty dynamic. Yeah. And uh, but when you got when you got Patrick Mahomes, um, I I think they'll be okay. I think they can make it work, but just in this week, that's in a tough particular, week. like that's a tough week. Like that's a, that's a that's probably week. the best offensive weapon, or I would say top three best offensive weapons in the league, and you used to have the uh, one that was a top five offensive weapon. Now you have neither. Yeah. Um, one last thing, just to wrap this up before we get to the Mount Rushmore, um, the 2019 NFL draft picks by college, surprise, surprise, uh, Alabama is number 10. Well, I'm sorry. Alabama is number one with 10 picks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this marks the 13th year in a row that the SEC finishes with the most players drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, Ohio State was number two. Two with nine picks. Oklahoma and Washington were tied with and third with eight picks, which kudos to Washington because they have some studs. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, you look at those four schools, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Washington, have all played in a college football playoff in the past couple years. Um, I take that back. It's got to be three years because Ohio yeah. State's been out. It's been out two, two years in a row. But they're right in that conversation. You had Texas A&M and Georgia – um, tied with seven picks, and then you had uh, a little cluster here with Clemson, Notre Dame, Auburn, Penn State, Ole Miss with mm-hmm. six picks. Um, which makes you wonder, like Ole Miss, where you at? <laughs> like, you know, Penn, show me. Penn State, where you at? Auburn, where you at? I mean, like you know, Auburn, you're six and six last year, um, and you got NFL players. Um, then you had Florida, Michigan, Stanford, Mississippi. States, West Virginia, Miami, Florida, uh, Kentucky, Utah, all with five picks. Well, kudos to Kentucky. Um, because that's not that's probably the only the only basketball school on that list. Yeah. If you go Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Washington, AM, Georgia, Clemson, Notre Dame, Auburn, Penn State, Ole Miss, Florida, Michigan, Stanford, Mississippi State, West Virginia, Miami, and then Kentucky. Yeah, that's probably the first. That's, a, that's the only basketball school. So kudos to them. I appreciate it, man. You know, we're just small fish, big pond, trying to make a splash. Yep. Big year for them. So. Um, one last little point that I want to do before we before we go to uh, uh, about Rushmore is a couple episodes ago we talked about this and it came to fruition. But you remember our discussion we had about Deontay Thompson and Nick Saban going back and forth because Saban said he should have come back to school. Yeah, and, and he's he saying go, how the players are hurting. He didn't go. He didn't go to the hundred thirty ninth pick in the fifth round. So, you know, one thing that's not one, you know, you you just never know. None of us will ever know is some kids just aren't cut out for college. Right. 
And, I, so and you maybe, can't hold that all the way against him. But I will say that with Saban's track record, if he's telling you, like, hey, I think you could be a top two round guy coming back, that's like John Calipari telling you, like, you'll be a top ten pick. Like, those are things you can almost take to the bank. Yeah, but, I mean, like I said, I mean, you don't know – you don't know. Like maybe he was already checked out of school. Like I can't do this, this anymore. I gotta, true. I gotta get out. Or he was gonna be academically ineligible. Who knows? That's true. But um, I just thought that was interesting. And it'll be it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But right yeah, now um, it's it's teetering towards Saban being correct right now. Right. And I they had another Alabama had another guy that that left early and didn't go drafted at all. Team. And uh, yeah. like that, ooh, that's tough. Yeah, that's that's a rough look, man. I um, also this is just this is just um, I, I I really didn't know if he would get drafted or not, but mm-hmm. old man Hunter Renfro went one forty nine in the fifth round to Oakland. <laughs> All reliable. <laughs> I can't I can't think of a player in the NFL that doesn't fit. Oakland more than Hunter Renfro. Yeah, like he he had New England Patriots written all over him. Well, he, I'm not even just talking about the town. Yeah, <laughs> you can't wear the can't wear the swoop the swoop over the comb over in Oakland. Yeah, <laughs> he's wearing those dad Nikes that the you know your dad wears when he's grilling <laughs> or working in the yard. Oh man, um, he's just gonna have to go to. He's gonna have to go to uh, beast mode and get get uh, Marshawn to give him some swag, man, so he can yeah. look Oakland official. <laughs> oh, but you know, kudos to him for getting drafted. Ah, I, I, listen, it it just goes to show like you don't have like you don't have to have these godly like combine numbers and stuff like that. You can just be reliable as hell and get drafted. Um. Also, one. One last uh, before we get going. I know we keep dragging this on, but uh, <laughs> shout out to my man um, Austin Cutting, would drafted 250th overall, five picks from the bottom to the Minnesota Vikings. He is a long snapper from the Air Force Academy. Hey, so he will have to um, he'll have to serve for two years, and then he can go back. Then he can go play for Minnesota. Nice. So well, congrats. That it's definitely worth congrats. Yep. Um, all right. Well, let's let's get to the Mount Rushmore segment. All right. Um, as the producer, before we get to Mount Rushmore, I want to comment on a couple things. One, fact checked, i.e. Tony Reale. So we actually had five one last things that AJ and Kevin noted as their <laughs> last thing. Uh, as a note, we should, have a, we should have a one last thing segment. That's that's right. <laughs> um, a nor- another corporate social responsibility. So just fact checking here. Tyree Kill, although horrible look and may get suspended forever, was not charged with anything officially. Uh, that doesn't mean he's not guilty. Oh, completely true. But just oh. noting, it's an alleged charge. Uh, we have. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, who did have a first-round pick, but traded that last week for Pro Bowler from Seattle, Frank, Frank Clark. Clark. Frank Clark, right. And then yeah. the guy that you were recalling, Kevin, Alabama undrafted uh, player that went out early is Savian's 
Smith. Savion. Yeah. Savion. He plays Sorry DB. No, yeah, you're fine. I think he plays DB. Mm-hmm. All right. So, He's number four. All right. If you guys are ready, we'll head along. All right. So it's that time of the, the show where we jump into the Mount Rushmore topic. Um, as you all know, and we, we pointed out earlier in the show in the intro, but I made the comment that I think that uh, Devin White should come out to Old Town Road with his walk-up song. Uh, and that got us spinning off of ideas of what would your four walk-up songs be? So... Kevin, I approach this as if I was playing baseball and what my four walk-up songs would be. You don't have to necessarily take that fault, but I just wanted to put that out there that that's how I approach mine. Well, that's what I'm going to approach it to. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's that's what my thought process was when I was looking these when I was doing this. Also, background information. I have not played baseball since I was in sixth grade. <laughs> so I've never had a walk-up song. Um like I'll watch baseball, but I don't like you know people's walk up songs. I don't. So kudos to you. Also, Fair. when it becomes uh, we're doing a podcast, I listen to podcasts. I listen to sports radio. Uh, there are music, uh, musical artists that I listen to, but I usually have like my inner circle, and I don't branch out from that. And that's kind of my personality. <laughs> so like I have my musical interests in each genre of music and i kind of stick to those unless somebody introduces me to someone new um but i'm not a very adventurous music person so that's fair yeah all right let me ask you this before we get rolling is there any song that you wouldn't want to walk up to oh i mean no there's a million songs I mean, I could think of, I could think of, I could think of like a ton of pop music that I would never want to walk up to. Um, like I don't. Know. Well, I just first, know like first person that comes to my mind is like Britney Spears. Like, no, I would never come up to. That. <laughs> so there's there's always this prank that happens, but um, major leaguers will do it for like a guy's first at bat. They'll pick his walk up song, and I just vividly remember one. Uh, a few years ago, where they made him walk up to Barbie Girl. Oh, that uh, honestly, that, I think, that, that, that popped right up. In, yeah, that popped up right into my mind. Like, that was the song. <laughs> By the way, I'm gonna I go on the record so and say, if I had to do that. "Hell yeah, I'd be pissed." That's my. That's a big time moment. Your first major league at bat. <laughs> like at least let me pick the song. Right, like give me a list of five terrible ones, and I'll pick the least. Right. Least common, terrible one. Right, and so my, I feel like my picks are going to be very generic. Um, no, I, I think your picks will suit the music you listen to. Like mine do as well. They're just, it's just a, for my picks, it is. It, I guess it basically spans across different years, but they're all the same genre. Yeah, I mean, I guess, and so, um, I guess mine all have kind of like a little backstory to them. Not all of them, but. I guess a couple of them. All right. So let's get into it. What do you got first? Okay. Let's just go through. Let's just go through your four, and I'll do my four. Okay. So 
relatively new, but I've got the baby Suge. The song is Suge by artist the baby. Um, yes, love. Just a really popular song. Uh, uh, Josh Jacobs walked out to it after he got picked. But oh, really? New artist, popular song. It gets me hyped, so I would roll with that. That's one for one song I've never heard of. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say you'll go, you'll go two and two here. Um, my second one is ASAP Ferg, New Level. Okay. Just I play it when you're at the gym. Like if you don't listen to any other songs out here, just play that one when you're at the gym. Like it'll get you going. Like it probably came out four or five years ago. I still listen to it to this day because it's just one of the best, like, just get you pumped up songs. Um, my third is Devil in a New Dress, but specifically just the Rick Ross verse because it's one of the most fire just verses Rick Ross has ever done. Rick Ross is a favorite artist of mine. So just his verse. It's Kanye West's song, but just his particular verse. Rick Ross really one of your favorite artists? Oh yeah. I've, oh I've, yeah. I've known Love. you for a while. I've never heard you say that. I like I, I say like he's somebody I I enjoy listening to. Now, I'm not going to pick him over like Drake or anything, but like I just like his his rap voice, like what he raps about and the beats he normally has, like all three of those put together make him one of the artists like I I enjoy listening to. You would would you qualify him as like a guilty uh like a guilty pleasure? Like no, that's, I, that's I not really like a, that great. Like from a from a from a, but you really like his songs. I would so like Big Crit is an artist. I would say it would be a guilty pleasure of mine. It's somebody whose songs I really really like, but like the majority of people, I like the majority of the world probably doesn't listen to Big Crit as okay. much as I. Do. All right, but a lot more of the world will listen to Rick Ross than I would. Okay, fair enough. And then on the last two, I'll just say that I have can I can I split them or do I have to pick one? Hey, it's our podcast, man. You can do whatever the hell you want. You're right. So I hate it or love it. Uh 50 Cent in the Game yeah. is probably one of my favorite right. songs of all time. So I'd love to walk up to that. Uh but also The Realist by Young Jeezy. Yes, love. Because when if I was walking up to the plate and it was like I'm the realest in it. You already know. Got trapped for the year four times. And I'd probably be ready to just like <laughs> smash the first pitch I ever seen. So like both of those like would be the toss up for my fourth one. But as you can see, all the same genre, all the same mindset. Like I just need something to get me hyped for this five, six, seven pitch at bat. Okay. So you just kind of took me to my next question. I mean, do you have to, I mean, like, to me, I play golf. I get more hyped. The more focused I am, blah, blah, blah. The harder I want to hit it, the worse I do. Mm -hmm. Like, is baseball not the same way? Like, if you're trying to swing for the fence, like. It makes it tougher, yes. But for me, for instance, it's like, depending upon the count. Like, if it's a a 2-0 count or like a 3-1 count, like it's in my favor. So I'm sitting on a particular pitch in a particular spot and I'm swinging for the fence. Now, if it's OO or if it, if I'm down a strike, like I'm probably not taking that same approach, but 
my mindset is like, hey, if they groove me one in this area, like, yeah, I'm trying to give it everything I got. All right. So are you done? You got it. Yeah, that's it. You got that's it. mine. Okay, you split the last two. Okay, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna have four. And I'm gonna say, um, I kind of did it. I did I did the the research of like other people's walkout songs. So I kind of mm-hmm. I kind of just picked from other people. Uh one is really like kind of my own, and I, I I'll tell you why. But um the first one I would say is uh Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses, the intro. <laughs> I like that. Um, the reason being in high school, you know, we walked from the locker room to the stadium. It was a, it was probably like a 150-yard walk. And um, and we had a bagpiper that would go with us because we were the Dublin Jerome Celtics. And so we had a bagpiper. And then when we'd get we'd go underneath the home stands and you know it's it's loud and stuff, and we would go to the mm-hmm. corner and they would play the intro to welcome to the jungle. We'd run out onto the field uh, to that. I like that. Uh, Cause we were the, our student section was the Jerome jungle. Uh, <laughs> so this one also goes back to, to the football playing days um, would be keg in the closet by Kenny Chesney. Never heard it. Are you serious? I'm so serious. <laughs> All right, so let me in the closet. Let me tell you why. So, um, I play. This is why I asked you about being hyped. I played quarterback, and um, you know, I I played as a freshman. Played all four years on the varsity team, and uh, I would just get hyped and hyped. My sophomore year, we weren't very good, but like, you know, a lot of the emphasis was put on me, and so I'd come out and I'd try to get hyped, and you know. You know, loud music, head banging, all that stuff, and I just never played that well. When I was hyped mm-hmm. up, I never played that well. Uh, mm-hmm. Throws were all over the place. You know, I get nervous sometimes. I throw up before. I mean, we played a really good schedule too, so the teams we were playing were really good, and we weren't very good. So, but now my junior year, like I just started to listen to chill music, and um, I, I played so much better. And uh, I would say to that point, though, like quarterback versus like fullback or linebacker, like a quarterback, you need to have controlled aggression. Whereas like I have like, hopefully you're not getting hit very often. No, and I, like, and I ran the ball. So like I had to get like, you know, I'd get like hyped up when I ran the ball, but I'd have to come back down to earth. Yeah. But, but like a linebacker, like when you're banging heads, like every single play is like, yeah, I'd prefer to, to be a little bit more. Hyped up than chilled. Yeah, so keg in the closet just became a tradition. So I'd listen to it before every game, and it was. I mean, it, I like that. It's just a chill Kenny Chesney song, like I'm on the beach. Um, <laughs> and then the next two, um, so fresh, so clean by Outcast. <laughs> I would like. <laughs> I just hear like now, Betty. That's fire. <laughs> I uh, like that. Yeah, but like. To me, that's an attitude pick. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if I like, if I probably like, if I'm three for three, like, that's gonna be my that's gonna be my walkout song in the fourth at bat. Yeah, like, I, I like that. Keg in the closet is probably number one. You know, that's my first out, my first walkout song. Um, uh, then my last one would be "All of the Lights" by Kanye. Just 
for hype reasons. Oh, like, yeah. Like, like the song. Yeah, that's probably one of my favorite Kanye songs. So. I don't hate that list. I definitely think this is one we need to we need to throw on social media and have people give us their takes on what their walk-up song would be because I just think that, like, majority of people have had that thought of, like, hmm, if I was walking to the plate or if I was doing something, like, this would be also, a song I'd want to walk up to. Right. Like, also, like, if if it's, you got game five of the World Series and it's a night game, like, All of the Lights is such a better song than than Kang in the Closet. You know what I mean? Well, I'll say this, like, being, like, a a big baseball watcher, like, they switch their songs up, like, all the time. So, you may, when I start, uh, here's one for you. Brandon Phillips, back when he was, uh, when he was playing for the Reds, like, I went to, like, an early season game in, like, March, and then I went to one in like June and he had a whole complete set different song that he was coming out to. So like I can feel that too of like I'm gonna start the season with these. If I'm hot, like absolutely we're gonna keep riding with these. But if I like if I'm struggling at the plate or I'm just not feeling these or if some new better songs come out, oh yeah, I'm switching and I wanna go with these. That makes sense. That makes sense. What do you remember the song? No, I don't. I'm trying to write my brain. I don't, but he was good. He always, he always had some really, and it was kind of funny though, because like on that team, there was like a few white guys and then there was like a few like international players. So like international players typically will come out to some things that are more related to where they come from. And then like, obviously like white people and black people have typically will have, well, I won't say typically, but could potentially have different music tastes. But it's like on that particular team, the white guys are coming up to like either country or or like more pop style songs. And he had literally the only rap song. Yeah. So you knew when he was coming up. Yeah. I so I would imagine that it's more likely to get a variety of of songs from white guys than it is black guys. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd say that. well, I'll say variety of artists. Maybe not because black guys may have different songs, but they like I may walk up to one Drake song. Somebody else may walk up to another Drake song. Right, right. You're, right. you're no, you're right. You're right. You're, yeah, I was. That's what I was getting to. Artist or genre. Gotcha. Yeah, I could. I'd say you're probably right there. That's pretty good. Let's let's hit it up on social media. See what people say. Um, speaking of I'm this one. Uh, before we uh, head out for the night, um, you know, we just alluded to it. Um, check us out on Instagram and Twitter at peace of mind, six one five comment. Uh, be sure to check out the the poll and the question uh, about what your walk up song would be. Um, also uh, wherever you're listening to uh, would love for you. If, if you guys would subscribe, if you guys would give a rating, a quick shout out uh, a five stars, that would be great. It's a huge help to us. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. So Anything else for him, AJ? I got one last thing in honor of this podcast. I got one last thing before we go. I'm going to sign off on it. Yeah, I guess my last take is best of luck to all you Game of Thrones watchers tonight. Uh, It's going to be a lot of death, and I just hope you all are prepared. That's it.
Um, okay, so uh, to, to close off the episode, uh, I'm just going to give a quick list of schools that had a player, uh, uh, schools that had more players drafted than Tennessee. Uh, so you can you can you can sign off now, or you can say to the end of the list. Uh, but we're going to start off with North Dakota State, Tarleton State, Alabama State, mm. Delaware, <laughs> UMass, Charlotte, Western Illinois, Ooh, powerhouse. Sioux Falls, <laughs> Murray State. <laughs> Sioux Falls, you know, I, you don't want them. On. Yeah, uh, Washburn, Charleston, Southeast Missouri State, Elon, South Dakota State, North Carolina A and T, James Madison, Prairie View A and M, Valdosta State, Ooh. Oregon State, and the Air Force Academy. So. Hey. Yep. Y'all have a y'all have a good night. Enjoy the Game of Thrones. Thanks for listening. See you guys. Hey.